0: Thanks to our two sponsors for this episode. The Bill Murphy Show was underwritten in part by Zepedi, makers of the Pro 4K HDR media player and the rest of their line, providing massive media storage capability and stunning high-definition playback of virtually every audio and video codec. Home theater and surround sound music enthusiasts alike need to check out all the modern products available from Zepedi. Visit them at zepedi.us.com. Also a great Dane-sized thank you to our friends at King Canine, providing pet owners with the highest quality organic hemp products for pets available on the market, bringing joy to pet owners nationwide, helping them keep their four-legged family members healthy and happy. Use the coupon code Murph 15 at their website, kingcaninewellness.com. K-I-N-G-K-A-N-I-N-E wellness.com. The Bill Murphy Show. The stories behind the music. And season 21, episode 3 is upon us. On this January 26th, 2021. Thanks for liking, subscribing, and sharing. We've been going inside the music and way inside in our first couple of episodes. Alan Parsons, getting very techy with us in episode one. And Jason Beeler from Saigon Kick with his new solo album, Songs for the Apocalypse, out now. So we talked to him earlier in January. This week, it's a little bit of a departure from music, per se. Although audio and sound will still be part of the conversation. Part of the many shifts in our lifestyles over the last year or so with the pandemic has been the uh, rediscovery if you will of home theater home theater formats surround sound i have been indulging in that myself over the past few months and more and more people are building home theaters as they spend more time at home work more from home and venture out into public less and less and even when we start getting back to normal this will be something that uh, will still keep growing so it's a fascinating subject to me and i privileged to have our guest on today our first official guest coming to us from Greece we've spoken to people from all over the world but this is the first time uh, to have a conversation with someone from Greece this guy is regarded as the father of home theater he is uh, one of the founders of Reva the world's first turnkey home entertainment solution basically a home theater in a box that you can install yourself customized with panels and integrated parts that fit with all your electronics Check them out at Rayva.com, R-A-Y-V-A.com. He's an award winner. Several Cedia Awards, including a Lifetime Achievement Award in 2003, a couple handfuls of Best Home Theater Architecture Awards. Uh, He's the author or subject of three books, including Great Escapes, New Designs for Home Theaters. He's developed designs for IMAX and Walt Disney in the way of the Walt Disney Signature Furniture Collection, He's also worked very closely with the line of Zapidi media players, and we'll get to spend a good part of this chat explaining the Zapidi experience with the help of the one and only Theo Kalamarakis. Thanks for joining me today.
1: Thank you for inviting me. I also want to mention that uh, I'm, I'm here waiting out the pandemic to be over. I do expect that someday I will get back to the US where my main business is and where Reva is located. Well, when you do
0: that, I look forward to meeting you in person and uh, we'll be able Absolutely. to talk about this stuff over a glass of wine. It'll be great. It would be fantastic. It's a pleasure to meet you. Now, I wanted to let you know that I've been immersed, if forgive the pun, in the home theater and specifically surround sound industry over the last year. In fact, it's one of the few... Benefits I can link to my personal pandemic lockdown experience: spending more time at home, revamping my up my uh, and updating my studio. I upgraded to a five-one listening and mixing environment while continuing to do freelance home theater installations with Encore AV Services and some marketing and social media work for Zepedi here in South Florida. So the, 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 a lot of that continued on during the pandemic, and I was able to really ramp up my knowledge with this industry. Now, this chat with you, Theo, is a natural step in the progression for my personal career agenda, but also a natural step because of the shift in the industry. I want to get a few minutes from you talking a little bit about your own assessment of what's happened with the home theater market during 2020 when everyone in the world was faced with a lot more time at home
1: and, more importantly, closed movie houses and movie theaters. Unfortunately, we stopped being able to go to movie theaters. And this is how I got involved in home theater. Basically, my passion in life is going out to watch a movie on the big screen of a theater, first in Greece and then United States. It is uh, unfortunately for the theater owners and unfortunately for us, moviegoers that Enjoy the experience on a big screen, not just as a solitary experience, which is what you have in the house, but as as a communal experience. That is lost. We don't have it. But what we have is the ability to have a place in our home now with the existing technology that literally duplicates the experience of a home theater. So from the home theater perspective, this pandemic could have been the biggest bonus in our industry because it acclimated people with watching movies at home. And it just separated them from the urge to go out. And the urge will go back. I'm pretty sure when the pandemic have is over... Have you op-
0: gotten any uh, information on some of the sales numbers that have come in yet? Or are those a couple of months away to find out just how well the industry did in 2020?
1: I haven't got it. And I was wondering about it. I think... Because people are still self-sucked with the pandemic. Yes. And they don't immediately think, let's go out and spend some money to turn up." Right. I guess we're not out of the other side of it yet. Right. I no. I you're saying. And that is the only reason where the numbers may not be as, um, you know, exciting as they could be. But I think something is happening. People are getting used to the multiple choices of streaming. Mm-hmm. You couldn't see a Disney movie at home until six months after release. Now that we're getting used to seeing Mulan before it goes to the theater, something fundamental has changed. Yeah. People's habits will adjust to want to see movies at home without taking the cab and finding a nanny and spending a hundred bucks to go to the theater. That is not coming back. What's coming, what will come back is that atavistic, uh, need that we have to share the experience communally with a lot of people. That is not going to. I don't. It didn't stop in the fifties when TV came. It didn't. It won't. St- it didn't stop in the ni- in ni- two thousand eight when the uh, crash hit us. It. It's not going to stop. But what will happen is people will pay more attention to the technology as it applies to the enjoyment of watching a movie at home. Right. I think they will want to have a better setup that they can capture the 5.1 stereo sound, or Dolby Atmos or Aura 3D, whatever they have. They will, they will invest in this technology, which is becoming more and more accessible, more widespread. You get a home theater in a box right now. Is not really what we, you and I, call home theater. I was
0: going to ask you about that the overuse of the word. A lot of gear just isn't worthy of the title. It is not.
1: Home theater has become a commonplace term to define something that doesn't deserve to be defined like this. Thank you. It's high. But um, unfortunately, the good thing about technology as it becomes more accessible and easy is accompanied by the fact that technology is dumbed down. You don't get Uh, in a theater in the box, the sounds that you get with a spectacular pair of speakers. You don't get with an 800 projector the same picture quality that you're going to get with a Sony 4K projector, a Barco projector. But I tell you, most people would not even have a chance in their life to see what a Sony 4K projector is. What a good stereo three-dimensional sound system is they go by what they see and the you know what's this it's the scene best buy whatever is promoted. puts usually the lowest common denominator so it's up to us to people like you to people like me people in the industry mm-hmm. to educate the consumer show about them let them see it let them hear it yeah what they're missing if they just compromise with what they find best buy and they're happy that they got a the home theater. That's not a the home theater. The best way to take advantage of the changes that are being instituted as we speak because of the pandemic is education. Mm-hmm. We have an opportunity to let people know what it is to have a theater. I had an old employee who was doing our marketing, he says unless you see their funnies on a chair, they won't know what a the home theater is. Right. So we have a responsibility as educators to spread the word because there's further ground now. People stay at home. All we do is to help them enjoy what they see by staying at home better than what they're used to.
0: You're regarded as the father of home theater. I, I want to get uh, the idea of how you got started. And I don't mean that like in a, on a resume type of way. I wanted to ask you specifically, going back to your early childhood years, was there some event? or something that happened in particular that sparked your interest in video, movie, and theater? I know I can say this. I have a similar story about myself when I was a kid about how records and music became part of my life in an instant. Was there something in your
1: childhood that happened? Absolutely, positively. (laughs) The bug got me when I was seven years old. There was a hat store, a, a store that made straw hats, and the guy would just... Buy by the pound, all nitrate film, technicolor, black and white, and melt it in acetate. And that made the glue that he put around the hat. So when I saw these strips of film, that was what I was going to the theater to to see. When I saw the the raw material of what made the movie on the screen, I begged him to give me pieces. So, I remember I got a little, it's like a Viewmaster. It was like a little gadget, that a little magnified lens. And I would put the movie and I would see fantastic color. I remember how beautiful Technicolor prints were. Right. It has a lens, and the other one, the opening is just the size of the frame. And you look at it and you see magnifying whatever's on it. It's very rudimentary. Must have looked just fascinating. Yeah, it was, I was enchanted. And I remember one of the movies that I've seen because I saw it on the box was a movie that was called The Loves of Carmen with Rita Hayworth. It was was an older movie, 1944. I probably saw it in the 60s. I saw the clip in the 60s, like the frame. So I said, I'll find out how this thing can become a movie so I can project it on the wall to have a theater in my house. So I was so stupid as a kid that <laughs> I bought, a, I made a little box from a gray carton and I remember I dismantled a, len, a, a lens, a, a lens from a flashlight that this big bulbous facade, uh, front part of the lens that magnified the lens. So I cut it and I glue it, glue it, i taped it with scotch tape. In front of a hole that I did in the box. And then someone had told me that the movie, in order to be projected, you have to have a life, a light behind it, the movie, and then a magnifying lens. And the... So I put a candle. I steadied it on a table. I don't remember where I did it because <laughs> I create a slat on the top and a at on the bottom. And I started moving the uh, frame up and down, thinking the movement is what's going to project it with movement. Well, what happened, the movie was acetate, and the box and the film strip caught fire. It burned the box. It almost burned my house. Oh, boy. I was beaten to a pulp by my dad. It says, don't you ever get close to being a movie exhibitor because you're going to burn us all. And I never did it. I mean, that was my first <laughs> attempt to just... Create a picture at home. You know, well, and it, you changed, know, it changed it changed your life. And that that visit
0: to the hat store, you know,
1: the guy, the hat guy. You. It wasn't. It was in the in an arcade in front of my house. I didn't even have to leave the house. Wow! It so it a, it,
0: it so runs parallel to to like my experiences as a kid finding broken turntables at a, <laughs> at, a at a at a yard sale that I bought for thirty cents. And then I, there was a junkyard up the street from my house. I'm also eight years old at the time. I used to take electronic components and find the circuit boards, take them home, hook up batteries uh-huh. and things to them until I had radio signals that's coming through. That's how it starts, man. And that's it. It's just like, okay, this is my life now. It's
1: amazing. We're very really lucky. People like us had the beginning that kind of extends into what they call a career later. Yeah. Most people struggle in the 20s to see what am I going to become? Will I become a doctor or a dentist or whatever, or whatever the... We found what we needed intuitively, instinctively from early on, and that's why... It's so much better and so different. That's why we enjoy what we're doing so much. Yeah,
0: it's like now as I get older, I realize that there's a different meaning to the word career. My career is more like my life experience, you know? I'm just. That uh, is
1: exactly it. That's it, exactly it. And I got into my career of uh, designing on theaters accidentally, and it was sometime in the end of the 80s. Because I just love the experience of watching a movie on the big screen. And I didn't think that watching a film on the small monitor TV of your room would be adequate to get into the movie. So when I realized in the mid-80s, that something great was happening with technology. Formats of pre-recorded movies started showing up, first LaserDisc and and then the RCA capacitor discs, and then Beta and finally the VHS, which was actually led to LaserDisc. I said, wow, I don't even have to go to the theater. If I have a setup at my place, I can watch the movie when I want it not to have to wait for Easter to watch The the Wizard of Oz or Christmas to watch A Wonderful Life. It was a very liberating uh, uh, thought that I could own these movies, and literally the software is what led me into the hardware. In order to have a movie at home, you have to have a TV and you have to have uh, a good sound. Well, there was no such thing back then as projection TVs. Mm -hmm. The biggest you could get was a unit that I got... Discounted, used floor model uh, of Nova Beam. I don't know if you remember the name Nova Beam. There were big TVs that you would just lift the front, and the three-beam projector would project on a reflected screen. And it was it was probably no more than 17 inches wide. But for me, that meant a big oh, screen. Right. Uh, so I put it. I bought it. I dragged it at home from a store on Lexicon Avenue. And uh, I installed it in my living room. I blocked the window because there was no other wall <laughs> that was not taking up or something. And I watched and then there was something missing. I said, in the theater, I have the ha- the sound coming from the screen big. That was a tiny little sound from the speaker. So I went and bought two. I don't remember my first speakers, what speakers. I would say there were clips, but clips were the second ones that I got. Uh, And I flagged the TV with the speakers and I got a little bit of stereo sound. I remember I bought my first stereo VHS tape. No, actually it was a beta tape because I believed in beta because VHS did not have the same quality. And I remember distinctly uh the video store on Times square that i bought my first stereo copy of uh, a star is born with judy garland and it was fantastic because back then you just brought back
0: that whole visual of the streets of new york with all the electric uh, electronic equipment you could buy there a friend of mine was telling me a story the other day that where the he and a buddy drove up from florida in the 70s just to go get okay. a stereo just receiver.
1: Amazing, amazing uh, opportunities to capture movies, uh, technology, whatever equipment doesn't anymore. Actually, I saw a movie the other day, just two days ago, on on, on Amazon. I don't, I can't recall the title. It was maybe, probably, surely, never something like that. Four adjectives, and it shows Times Square as it is now. Mm-hmm. And it was very, very depressing, very depressing. I said, I'm very lucky that I experienced Times Square in its heyday. Man, it was yeah. such
0: a community experience. Everybody just intermingling the whole time. Deals going on every second.
1: I, there was the Virgin Megastore there in the middle of the square. <laughs> right, that you would right. go and lose yourself in LPs and CDs and LaserDiscs, whatever. And you would go and look for something. You cannot look for something in the net nowadays, unless you know a specific movie that you're looking for. What are you gonna look for at Amazon.com? You look whatever they select for you based on your initial choice. Back then, you could just flip the discs and say, "Oh my God, there is a new, you know, Beatles album that I didn't know." Beatles. Well, later on, but anyway, that was the 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 thrill of that era. So anyway, I just bumped into the technology that was emerging back then uh, that would develop eventually into home theater. So I got my TV, I set it up, I got the two speakers left and right, and it was fantastic to watch a movie that was done in the early Cinemascopes days where the dialogue, I think I told you the other day, would follow the actor. Mm -hmm. So you would go, you would see the actor, James Mason, walking from the left side of the room, all the way to the right side, and the sound follow. It was a stereo; it wasn't more than two channels, but it was an exciting uh, discovery that brought you even closer to the experience in the theater. It
0: made it even all, almost three-dimensional at that point because you got so much
1: more movement. Absolutely, but that was really for me. That was the beginning of discovery of the pleasure of watching movies at home. I was not very happy with what happened. I enjoyed for a week, four days maybe. And then I was distracted Distracted by my by living room. I saw windows, bookcases, an opening for the kitchen. I couldn't focus on the movie, not mention that. And that's what got me to do my first theater. I had two partners at work. I was working as an art director in Time Warner. We found, we're looking for a ba- for a brownstone in Brooklyn. We found the brownstone. They found the brownstone. I found the basement. I was looking for a basement to turn into a theater. And I got that perfect basement, which was like infested with rats and dirt and everything. I didn't, it didn't faze me. I cleaned it up. I got from a used uh, hardware store, 12, I think, 12 seats, pop-up seats They were from an old porno theater that it was demolished, and there were, it took me weeks to take, scrape off the chewing gum under the, <laughs> under the seat, yeah. but, uh, but then again, when I got the seats in a row, and I said, I have a theater, I didn't call it the home theater, because the term was not coined yet, until the magazines find out about it, and they started, one magazine wrote something, wow a magazine for Time Warner because I was working with Time Warner and the friends, my friends was journalists. That's how they came and saw it. It It's like, man, this is unique. I got to write about it. And that led to an article in USA Today and and then that got me into this career and got home theater started.
0: Even though we're talking mostly about the visual experience and the home theater design. I mean, by the way, I want to take this opportunity to tell people to go to tktheaters.com, click on the portfolio section, spend some time going through the amazing gallery some of the most notable of Theo's designs and installations is some of it is just there there's some that could you could be criticized fairly as being a
1: little over the top I would be the (laughs) first one to criticize I, I don't even look at them I cringe I'll tell you but let me tell you something if you don't if you are intimidated by how much you don't know and you don't do it you're never gonna learn there is not a university for home theater design, so you do some of them. I look at them in the back, and I literally want to throw up.
0: Well, it's so bad. They, well, but, but then again, there's yeah. some that are just
1: yeah. And the ones that are better are the ones that are a result of something that I did terrible, and mm-hmm. I didn't do it again. And
0: that's, that's how you it. learn to make one better the next time.
1: I wrote an article. I will finish by wrote an article about oh, ten years ago. It was. The 10 biggest mistakes I ever did. Mm. I never enjoyed writing anything else except the things that I did wrong. Because what I do wrong, designers do wrong. And they don't know. So you tell them what they shouldn't do. And hopefully the results will be better next time they do something.
0: I wanted to talk about the importance of sound. And I wanted to sort of set this up by telling you a story from about 10 or 12 years ago. I, I was doing I spent a few years doing some announcing for the Florida Panthers hockey team and I was in their arena here in Fort Lauderdale one afternoon when they had just installed their brand new wrap around the biggest newest technology for the scoreboard high definition video all the way around 360 it was basically the same image just put in four different directions but fascinating it would it would extend over the different sections of it and it was high definition and they were demonstrating it and at the time, the building was ten years old, and it needed a sound upgrade as well. They didn't do the sound upgrade that they could have done for maybe a hundred thousand dollars, but they spent a million for their image audio video for the video. And I told the powers that be it th- this afternoon. I said it's it's beautiful, but you're not doing yourself any favors by not upgrading the sound system. There's a psychological effect that happens. Do you agree with me that sound in a theater or in a or on a giant scoreboard for that matter, to accompany it sort of psychologically
1: makes your picture even more vivid and more dynamic. You cannot have one without the other, as simple as that. Try to see a Hollywood spectacular in a badly equipped theater, you miss like 80% of the impact. The sound is so important to complement the picture. I didn't think so at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And the more the technology emerged, the more I realize if you separate the sound from the picture, you are losing the whole experience. It's You can. I found out by accident uh, surround sound. When I did my first real theater, because the first one that I did with the seats, it was like a general rehearsal. When I saw people writing about it, I said, I'm gonna show them what a real theater is. And when I did it, I went to the Ziegfeld Theater in New York. Have you ever heard of the Ziegfeld Theater? Of course theater? I have. Yeah. I was so incredibly impressed by the sound, not so much by the 70 millimeter picture. I saw Lawrence of Arabia. The big movies for Ziegfeld, the heyday of Ziegfeld was Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Right. The restore version of Lawrence of Arabia and anything that was 70 millimeter apocalypse. Now they rewired the theater for this wild sound that movies hooked me up to surround sound and without it you couldn't get the whole experience so anyway when I did my theater uh, the second one which is the real theater I was so impressed by the sound that I became a pest at the projectionist of the Ziegfeld the movie was over and I I knocked at the door and I said how do you get this sound yeah it says good speakers I mean I don't know if that made (laughs) good speakers if you have to have good speakers and a good soundtrack what speakers are they i asked they're uh, jbl uh horn loaded speakers they were big i said i'm doing a theater and i want the speakers at my house how many seats do you have do you have at least 200 justify i said i have six i said it's a waste. Don't do that. I couldn't listen to anything. I became friends and I got the speakers, which are still to this day. The houses uh-huh. remain absolutely. The three the speakers were about that high, up to here, with horns.
0: since the listeners can't see my Skype screen, he's holding up to about his chest,
1: and they were behind the screen i tell you something. I I remember playing Jurassic Park as a demonstration disc. And when the dinosaurs thumped down, Uh you have the subs and the speakers. Not even my Keres setup with 36 sounds could duplicate the impact of this big front horn loaded speakers. So it was amazing. But I did the first one and then um, I missed something. And what was missing was surround sound. You couldn't get just a big picture without surround sound. So through Mike Percoco, I was introduced to one of the key guys at Dolby who had equipped the Ziegfeld Theater with a Dolby decoder. And he came to New York. He thought what I was doing was crazy. He came to New York with his assistant who was now he's a you know him in in our industry tony grimani you know tony grimani no i don't tony is one of the Key acoustics in the industry. He's teaching at Cydia. He has his own company. He makes spectacular speakers. So they gave me, they came to the house. Sounds like I need to know him, though. <laughs> you should know Tony. You should interview Tony. He's, he's teaching classes at Cydia. I would make an introduction if you want. Absolutely. Love that. He's a great speaker. Uh, so anyway, they came and they felt sorry for me, I guess. And they gave me the first, it wasn't for home theater, decoder for Dolby Saran Ah. a Dolby decoder. I don't know if it was a round decoder because they said in order for for our gadget to work you need to buy the first commercially available uh, surround decoder which was their system will translate the soundtrack into something that that other decoder would play. Don't ask me. I don't remember much about it. I remember that I got four speakers, two, uh, two on the side, on the left two on the right. Small speakers, nothing great. I I had run out of money because of the big speakers, but I got the small ones and I put the first movie that was decoded with surround sound. And I remember what the movie was as a laser disc, La Traviata. Uh, It was the Franco Zeffirelli with uh, Teresa Stratas, I think it was. Anyway, that had thrilling surround. Wow. But that, that I just was surrounded by the chorus, but unfortunately, back then, these gadgets were not really precise. So the whole soundtrack leaked all over. You got the big sound when there was supposed to be big chorus, but you got everything else. you would hear the actors you would there was no localization. It was just like bleeding. But it was around. it I remember the effect it had on me was because, I felt immersed in the sound. And I'm saying that just to say that to me, always the experience of a great picture was accompanied by a great sound. And we should just pay as much attention in our industry and make sure that the sound setup does justice to the soundtrack the way the movie The projector, that's the picture. In my
0: opinion, you can't even really fairly use the word immersive unless your sound is up to par with your video, because that's really where the immersing begins, right there. Absolutely. I also do believe that there's a great deal of us, I know I'm one, who am so audio-centric and music-oriented my whole life. I have just as much of an immersive experience from just sound because I can yes. I can get into exactly, you know, like in a 5-1 mix, for example, I can get into analyzing what's coming out of every single channel and kind of pick apart what the producer and what was going on in there. I don't even need the visual to go along with it. I, I enjoy yeah. the sound just as much. And I feel like this is something that's going to grow as a result of people spending so Staying much more home. time at home and reflecting on their experiences
1: like this. So... I'm on the, I'm campaigning for the audio side of it. You know, I have a friend of mine in Greece. I hadn't talked to him in a long time. And I met him recently. I didn't meet him. We talk on the phone. And he tells me that every night he goes to bed, has a good stereo. I don't know what he has, but he has a good stereo system. He says, I don't want Netflix. I don't want to be distracted by pictures. I put my favorite music It's usually jazz or classical. That's my man. And I listened to music. I would get and along said, just
0: fine with that guy.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. I said, you make me miss that experience. Because I remember my first day, I would put CDs and turn off the lights uh-huh. and just listen to the music. And I was transported. So I'm in the, on the verge of trying out listening to music, which I haven't done in years because of my business and uh, well, you know. involvement. I'll take care of the
0: audio part of that for you. <laughs> I can help with that. So, Theo, for the enlightenment of our listeners, here's a great opportunity to s- discuss with you what the deal is with Zapiti and the fine folks that help underwrite this program and in their line of high quality media players and storage units. For those of you who've built a large collection of media like DVDs, Blu-ray movies, CDs, Zepedi allows you to copy for your own use, your media onto hard drives, not only access them easily anytime, but the circuitry and the components of their players delivers perfect playback of every format in its optimum original native form with no loss whatsoever. Uh, You'll correct me on any of this if I'm getting it wrong. These units were conceived and designed by video experts and audiophiles who understand the demands of home theater owners for perfection and stunning resolution and sound. Now, I've been using a Zapiti Pro 4K and a Mini in my home, getting quality, hands-on experience. And while I'm familiar with and have worked with the Zappini Nas storage unit, you, Theo, have been digitizing your own collection. I can't even imagine how extensive that collection is with the Nas. So
1: you can speak even more accurately about the Nas i tell you something, that the best thing that happened to me the last six months due to the pandemic is that I was forced to stay home and start digitizing my collection. I was a little overwhelmed. When I got my first NAS, it was about six months ago, the theater was not finished, and my collection existed in hundreds and hundreds of boxes. And I would never be able to find these movies again. I had them, I have about 19,000 movies. Yikes, okay. And it is, uh, it's, this, it's my life. I love, I'm a completist. If I love a director, I have to have every single movie that he made. Wow. If I love an actor, if I love a studio in a particular era, for example, I collect all the Fox CinemaScope movies of the 50s because that's when they started using stereo sound so extensively and you can pinpoint the sound. So I wanted these movies to be at my fingertips. So Zapiti gave me the opportunity to start the process of cataloging them. I started about uh, four months ago. I got a Zapiti, NAS, and four, four drives. So I can, I can download four movies at a time, which is actually a bad idea because I found out, but I'm doing it. I found out <laughs> if there is a bad movie among the bunch, and that's what I found out. Unfortunately, there is something that's the equivalent of what you used to call laser rot. Have you ever heard the term no, laser rot? No, i never heard rot? the term laser rot. Tell me laser what that rot, means. Laser rot. Laser this because there were two layers of vinyl glued onto each other. The glue somehow in some days contaminated the, the the and you start seeing snow. Wow. You see the picture snow. Well unfortunately wow. that showed up in Blu-rays. One out of 20 this doesn't matter if it's uh, new or old Blu-ray. easily sold their presses. You can record them on Zapiti. You can play them on DVD for now, but my gut is that Five years from now, these movies will not be playable. So when you think you have a a pristine copy of Casablanca by Criterion, you'll be in, in, in shock when you realize that this movie doesn't play anymore. I thought it was perfect. For me, the purpose of Zapiti is to take away from my soul the fear that my disc will disappear. Once you capture it digitally, it stays there. The only fear you have is that the this will corrupt. That's why I'm planning to have two or three copies of my collection. Although, Zapiti says that you can't lose it. It records twice. I'm, I'm not so sure exactly how this works. Well, there's redundancy with the drives, right? There's the uh, redundancy. Yeah. But I don't trust them. I don't trust anybody. These <laughs> movies are my life. So I better have five copies of that, even if it costs me $20,000, mm-hmm. than lose my movies. Because... Now that I reconcile with the thought that I'm going to lose some of my DVDs, I I tried the other day and I finished today. For four days, I'm trying to copy four movies that I saw as a child. And there were big eh, spectacles with sound. One was El Cid. Uh The other was The Fall of the Roman Empire. And the third one was 55 Days at Peking. All by the same Samuel Broston producer. They won't record. One disc was like for 12 hours in the drive and wouldn't record. Oh, wow. And then it, it corrupted everything else that I was recording at the same time. So I called Raphael and said, don't, if you see a movie that's bad, don't put other movies. I said, I don't know until I put it there. So, uh, well, if you realize it takes forever, take it out and try to put one at a time. And so you isolate the one that's bad. So that's the only negative experience that I have, but that negative is, is completely uh, compensated by the fact that now I pull the menu on the screen and I have all the movies that I wanted to see and I was just too lazy to climb up a stair. I hadn't seen any movies started with A in my old uh, li- library because the A's were on the ceiling ah. and I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I can't tell you how many people wanted me to show them across the universe, I said it's inaccessible. It's up there. You bring it uh, But now it's so easy with everything. You discover movies that you didn't know you have, and through free association, you can watch some similar movies. That's the beauty. And what I also do with Zapiti that I, I love, is that fifty percent of the times the covers that come. That you can associate with the movies. Have you started downloading yeah. any movies? Yeah,
0: yeah, where it pulls the data the, from the, the, from the, the cloud. Posters,
1: the posters that they have, to me, are unacceptable, Not half of them, because in order to see them big and you can read them, they take out the writing on the poster, sometimes take the name of the actors, oh, I sometimes see. all right. the fine print. To me, that's defacing the original poster. So I go to the internet. I found the original poster, and and I downloaded it from the internet. So, I he, have-
0: so just to tell the listeners what's going on here, he uh, Theo's kind of touching on one of the processes you can do with the Nas or the... The 4K, for that matter, the Pro 4K, when you go into the menu, you can re identify your collections if it's not copied perfectly, all the metadata that is, and put it in there yourself. You can have images and posters associated with the movie. If you don't like the ones that are downloaded, you can upload your own. Right. You can basically just upload your own artwork if you wanted to.
1: That's the beauty of the system. It allows you to personalize. You think about and that.
0: You would otherwise, you would never, it would never just occur to you. Like I want, I want to see that movie that I saw in 1996 that I da 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 with that day. But you, you would never even ponder that because you know finding that disc and uh, where is it stored? Which, taking it
1: out. I'm never gonna.
0: So now you're, you can have your whole 10,000 pieces of your collection on the screen like you're looking at a Netflix menu and browse through yeah. it and go, oh, let's look at this.
1: Much better than Netflix because I've recorded, I've highlighted movies and next made favorites and the same thing with amazon you cannot look at them the way you look at them at the the system of alphabetizing cataloging creating categories it is amazing i have categories for every major director i have a category uh, in my own category, Bergman, Fellini, Vardanyan, all the major. Woody Allen. You cannot do that on Amazon. You copy all the movies. You you uh, bookmark all the movies, and they're like loose. You can't find your way through them. With Zapiti, you can actually curate your collection in a way that is user friendly. Uh, to me, if I was a a marketing director of Zapiti, I would have a a, a logo for Zapiti. It's called instant gratification. Whatever you want to see, you have it in your fingertips. And this is for those that have extensive collections, it's indispensable. Instant gratification
0: for sure. Um, Theo, listening to you talk about your collection, it seems to, I'm getting the impression that you are a walking internet movie database. I, I probably could flash 10 seconds of any classic movie for you and you'd be able to tell me the producer what studio it was it was done in and all of this you've got a, it sounds like you have a comprehensive knowledge
1: of movies now i know the movies the titles the director the actor but i haven't seen all of them right of course I, i've seen some of them i've seen all the main hitchcock movies or the main john ford movies so if you saw me a f- film a clip with John Wayne walking into the sunset, I will not know what John Ford movie is. could be a Howard Hawks movie. I recognize the genre, recognize the era. Sometimes I recognize because of the color scheme, the studio, but um, I wish I was more, more of a serious student of film so that I can have this kind of knowledge that you said, but I don't, but I know when you tell me a movie, I know who the director is. I may not know the actor, but I know who the director is very, very easily. But I, I, of your
0: favorite producers and directors that you've seen, and you, you already told me earlier in the interview that you get all encompassing oh, okay. when it gets to stuff like that. You get everything from the producer for the director, but I'm sure at this point, like I can do with rock music albums sometimes at this point, just because of life experience and just because of years, you could play me a piece of music that I perhaps never was. heard before. And I may be able to tell you who produced it or what city it was done in because of the sonic quality of it. You you're able to kind
1: of do the I same would thing the with same movies, thing yeah. with a movie uh, to a certain extent. I don't want to, pretend that I'm an encyclopedia of knowledge, but... Nor do I. (laughs) ...through the years, you you get the hang of it. Yeah.
0: Along the way, I could imagine you've been approached by uh, audio and video manufacturers from all over the world trying to get you to use and endorse their products. What are some of the most impressive advancements you've seen... In the home theater technical side over the past decade or so.
1: How how would you uh, what has what, what really just awed you? To me, the most important advance, because I said from the beginning I'm a video guy, was the improvement in the picture quality. When laser projectors, DLP, uh, three-chip DLP start coming out, where you capture every nuance of the film, you'll be hard-pressed to watch a movie in a theater in the same quality that I was. I have a Barco projector. I'm partial to Barco because my first projector was Barco. And at Reva we're using Barco. So I got, I could hardly afford the big Barco. So I pleaded with them. I said, let me get, I'll get it with installments, but I don't want to get a $15,000 projector because I want to have a state of the art theater. So I got the Bragi which is about 30,000, 32,000. Wow. I paid a lot less. I waited for a demo unit and all that. And also they, got, they gave me a, a, a better price because you know I, I promote Barco not because I wanna help them, because I really wanna help the people that wanna see a good movie mm-hmm. to see it in the best possible quality. And then for the sound, I had a big debate with my guys in Greece. Uh, they said um, there's only one preamp that you should use in the theater that really captures every nuance of the South and has as many channel, channels as you have. That was the Trinoff. You know, the Trinoff no, processor. No, I
0: knew you would be mentioning brands that I've never heard of, but I need uh, to know about this.
1: Trinoff is what Rolls Royce is for cars. Okay. There is nothing. In the US, we have Theta Casablanca, have something, but. If you go to Europe and you mention anything else besides Trino for very, very high-end super yachts, big homes, they will think that you don't know what you're talking about. So here's another example. I couldn't afford the Trino. That little thing is like $35,000.
0: Well, there's also a new JVC receiver processor that's $32,000 as well. It can't be the only processor uh, unit that, that really captures everything. They're out there. It, before people get scared listening to this and hearing some of the numbers we're talking about, obviously, we you, you can't really get the true experience by spending $700 at Best Buy. There's also, you talked about a $30,000 projector there's an $18,000 projector that JVC makes that would give any home theater
1: enthusiast everything they would ever dream of wanting to see in a picture. Can I can I add to that? Sure. I have a second theater, an outdoors theater. Because, uh, again, after that experience that I described, when I was 13, I started I'm creating an outdoors theater. Nice. And I want to recreate in my life. So I did it. And, of course, I spent all the money that I had in the big theater. I couldn't have uh, the same type of equipment. So I settled for the next, the very next best. And I had a very satisfying experience. I have a 5.1 stereo. I have an NED amplifier cost me like, I think it was a thousand dollars or something. Mm -hmm. I got clip speakers, three on the front, two subwoofers on the front and left and right. And I got an Epson 4K, it's not really 4K, but it's 4K-capable uh, projector for $4,000. Wow. Spectacular I picture. hear great things about those as well. I don't, anybody that doesn't have money shouldn't feel excluded by home theater. Because even the Sony projector is, uh, Sony has a small projector, but the good one is ten, 000, fifteen thousand $15,000. Epson, I don't know how they do it. The picture is fantastic clips is a good i think i got my entire outdoors theater which is a big space for less than seven thousand dollars there you go and it is i don't feel like i'm skimping when i watch a movie there and the big screen it's a big screen it's like 12 foot wide so and, uh, and, should... and, and just to add to that in on the audio in the audio world
0: in the last year in all the experimenting and indulging that i've been doing I've learned a lesson. It's not necessarily how much money you spend on your speakers and amplifier. It's how well you match them. If you have the right speaker hooked up to the right amplifier, you can make a $400 speaker sound as good as a $2,000 speaker.
1: A hundred percent. I see the the situation we're discussing about equivalent to the watches. You can spend $50,000 for a Rolex. It will tell the time Mm -hmm. and it will be always on time. But you can spend $1,000 for an Omega. It will do just as good a job. It won't be, I don't know what it won't be. In the theater, we know what it won't be, but you can get the experience nowadays if you don't have the money that the super rich people have. You, The technology is really so adaptable to our budgets now, right now that we don't have to feel poor if we can afford to pay $15,000 right. for a projector. Well,
0: A couple more things, Theo, before I let you go. I wanted to throw this at you. I I remember maybe as recently as eight eight years ago or so, I was talking to some people in the industry. Actually, I was talking to somebody who was at one of the CES shows, and they were talking about the prospect of 3D being the new household thing. Why didn't 3D take off as it was
1: anticipated? It was just a, a cost thing? A big crying shame because people are stupid and they say that I'm stupid or whatever. They get dizzy with the glasses. Uh, the novelty was over. I am the biggest fan of 3D movies. I have every single movie 3D that came out on Blu-ray. And today, actually, I ordered from Italy. I'm missing three more glasses. I have three pair of glasses and a little emitter that goes in the barco. I cannot wait to start seeing my 3D movies. I can watch them on 2D. But if you see movies that were done in real 3D, notice pseudo 3D, the new studios that do the Avengers and then enhance them, see movies that they were done in 3D. Well, is that maybe what
0: what, what ruined it for them, is that there were people disguising themselves as true 3D and not
1: really doing it, and maybe. so the content was underwhelming? Yeah, it didn't see the difference. Much. Why should I pay 20 bucks to see a 3D movie that I don't... I have to wear this glass at the knowing. I don't see much of a difference. That may be it. I didn't think of it. But I remember I saw at the Ziegfeld a movie called Coraline. It's an animated movie. Have you heard of it? I've heard of it, yes. At the end of the movie, the credits go up and there are butterflies that leave the screen and fly over your head, all over the theater. It was the most thrilling experience you can imagine. Wow. It's not just like seeing stereoscopically the image. It really leaps out of the screen, and hits you because it was done specifically uh, with a 3D format. It wasn't post-production 3D, which is fake. You do see a little bit of you know, distance. And it was not...
0: presented correctly at the theater by the end user. Yes. Right. So that's really the the key. I yeah, you could probably. I felt I did see one 3D IMAX experience where it was similar, where I felt like I could reach up and grab the object that was right over IMAX
1: was the perfect venue for 3D. Yeah, they stopped doing. They were ne- They never did the documentaries. The the ones that I all I have that I have it on 3D. The ones deep sea, deep ocean, something like that. A magnificent. You just can't get your eyes off the screen. Uh, They stopped doing it because uh, IMAX stopped playing documentaries in the theaters and they got in touch with Hollywood and you got all the big movies in Hollywood on the IMAX screen. But uh, the original uh, one to 190 aspect ratio documentaries, which are all on incredibly master Blu-rays are unparalleled as an experience.
0: How about the Reva situation? How involved in that are you still? And can you talk a little bit about what the Reva turnkey home theater
1: solution is? Reva has been my dream. And I had to take a little break because I had to come back to Greece. But I had finished my work with Reva, which is how can you offer a very fulfilling experience to someone that doesn't have $150,000, $200,000. So we created a system where you take a design and you can create components. We got patents for that, uh, four, five, five, six patterns that allow you to build a theater inside the four walls. You don't take up all the walls. You put elements on the walls in a matter of four, five hours. To me... That was revolutionary because it could it and the 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 panels and acoustic treatments hit the speakers, lighting, the whole thing. Um it is ingenious what happened at Treva. The problem is, I think, the issue that we have at Reva, this product does not belong to the AV industry. We thought that the natural marketing venue would be the integrators, because they are the ones that sell theaters. Well, that creates a conflict. First, the conflict comes from the consumer. The consumer that comes to the integrator wants a custom theater. We say custom theater. Reva is seen as a cookie cutter. We're not at the time yet were people will accept the cookie cutter theater the way they accept the cookie cutter car. When you go to a showroom to buy a car, you don't say, "I want to have a little bit the engine that looks like Ferrari and the chassis that looks right. the BMW." Yeah. You get what you have because it's engineered to work together from sound perspective, from a picture perspective, lighting perspective. So that is the accomplishment of Reva, and I'm very proud. We had a great engineer that helped us flesh out these um, concepts. The problem is, uh, I believe that the market forever is outside the AV industry with a proper marketing budget and a pro- proper messaging to reach to the average consumer. that could not imagine that they can get a theater for like $30,000 complete with the sound, with the pictures. And that is possible. It's, it's doable with quantities, but it's a catch-22. If you go, if you want to have quantity, you have to have your act together in mass produce manufacturing, mm-hmm. which we flirted with the idea, but it requires a few millions of dollars in infrastructure. All I'm saying is at this point, we sell to the integrators. I'm not involved on a day to day basis because the patterns that that were developed the designs were developed so now it's just about marketing and selling them. but my frustration is that it takes so much money to bring that product to the consumer i remember had conversations with amazon I see. I amazon amazon said if you give us a product that's ready to be delivered the day after the consumer orders it we promise you 50 theaters a week. That's what they said. And I believe them because they wanted the price to be under $50,000 and they were, were going to market it. But in order to have $50,000 a year, you have to have like $7 million in infrastructure right. manufacturing abroad. Mm-hmm. It's a catch-22. And in order, if you have the manufacturing, you have to have the audience ready to buy it. You can't just... Have inventories of 200 theaters and not having marketed properly, yeah. so it's a complex issue. And I feel like um, uh, we are waiting for the right opportunity after the pandemic to find a way to mass produce it and and fund it in in a way that would reach way beyond our industry. That's the future of REVA and that's the future of home theater. For home theater to penetrate the masses, it has to lose that exclusivity impression that it only a very wealthy person can have a dedicated theater in their home
0: and it's up to people like you and myself to show people what the real experience is like and that's there is nothing else when someone comes to my house now they get they get put right into the chamber and say sit down listen to this you have to hear this album and surround sound and then their life is basically changed when they walk out of the the room. Absolutely. I've never heard music sound like that before. So unless you actually get the chance to sit and experience this, it's very, very difficult to put into words. Sit funny
1: on a chair. That is what it is. You (laughs) can You are proselytizing the people that need to know what exists
0: exactly and just to to wrap things up here theo this has been a fascinating discussion and again if you want to see some of this man's amazing work you can go to TKTheaters.com, click on the portfolio section and spend some time have a drink have a glass of wine and look at these rooms and dream it's an amazing gallery of some of the most notable things you've done.
1: I would also ask the readers to also look at Reva.com and see how I translated the custom designs into a product. Oh, of course. It's the difference between Haute Couture and Pret-a-Porter.
0: I, I, I'm a big fan of Rava, and uh i plan on spreading that word around as well when you get a look at, at these five or six little different uh, motifs perhaps there's even more of them by now but there's just there's it's, 10, fascinating. it's fascinating it's fascinating and we're evolving it we're getting more and more it's great but but can we do some name dropping here i know you've done some work for some prolific uh, celebrities over the years so you can you share some stories about uh some notable installations for maybe you know some notable people.
1: Um, but you know those that don't want to have their name. I knew there sign. would be
0: some of them. Yeah, there will
1: be some, but who cares? Uh, <laughs> let them enjoy themselves. I, you know, I, the very first celebrity that I did was Eddie Murphy. Oh wow! I, I did a house in New Jersey, and then he got married. Then he moved to LA. And I did the second theater for him, a very big theater. Um, Actors were never my biggest client because they all live in Hollywood. Having a theater in Hollywood is not called a theater. It's called a screening room. It's not glamorized like we have because we don't have the ability to have a first-run movie. But they do, and the studios build them you know, screening rooms. So there was never such a big demand or some other celebrities, big celebrities. I'm guessing athletes too. Athletes. Yeah. Athletes are much more receptive. The first big job that I did, and now it's past uh, my stature of limitations. I did the theater for Carl Ripkin Jr. Oh, wow. Uh, and he didn't want me to use his name in my book, The Theater. His theater is on the cover of the book. But he said, I don't want to promote my name. But he was actively in sports back then. Now he's retired. So he knows that I'm doing it out of respect. Cheers, Cal. <laughs> it's, it's just, uh, he was such, a, all I remember, how many great decent people I met that you thought because they're superstars would be, you know, I met. I went to Dwayne Johnson, you know, The Rock. Right, the Rock. do his theater in Hollywood. And he asked me to autograph my book. I said, "Are you kidding me?" Uh, I'm, <laughs> you're giving me your autograph. It's not the other one. I'm nobody. But I tell you that these people have such humility, some of them, they're real celebrities, that you do it. And then but you know, I did a lot of sports people. Ah, uh, yeah, you know I did the Chili Davis. It was with the Yankees. And then he introduced me to Derek Jeter. I didn't finish that theater because they got they, they, the 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 design the deri- designer of the project got involved. I started having problems with designers because they don't know how to put together theater but they know how to decorate and I keep telling designers home theater is not about decorating. It's not what colors and what fabrics. It's how to make the technology uh-huh. function and it takes both both design and technology. but uh, designers slowly are catching up and politicians, people from the industry, presidents of countries that did for the president of the Ukraine. Wow. I renovated the theater where Stalin and Lenin, the room, were watching movies. It was like the Camp David. And I took that space and I brought it to, it's in the second book, I think. It's called The Kiev. Oh, wow. Uh, now, I had fun with a lot of people, a lot of uh, celebrities that you met. You know, in private, and they were different than real life, but you know, it's
0: uh, it's all folklore and very, very expensive toys for some very rich people. It's very cool stuff. Theo, it has been a thrill to meet you via Skype. I look forward to us meeting um, probably sometime. In person, I'll
1: come to what part of Florida are
0: you? We are in uh, Fort Lauderdale, close to Miami. Fort
1: Lauderdale, Miami. Thank you very much. I appreciate the time you gave me.
0: Thank you very much for the time you gave me. Two places to go and check out Theo dot tktheaters.com. You can sit and one at the gallery of amazing theaters he's put together. Also, find out what's up at rava.com, R-A-Y-V-A.com to learn more about Theo Kalamarakis. New episode coming up in the next week or so. Thank you again for liking, sharing, and subscribing to The Bill Murphy Show.